1: Hey, yo, welcome everybody to the NFL DFS podcast for RotoWire, sponsored by FanDuel. I'm your host, Joe P. and it's Monday. It's time to recap the Sunday that was, talk about what we got right, maybe what we got wrong. And I'm going to talk about it in this sexy voice that I have today because I'm a little under the weather. So if I sound sexier than usual, don't be alarmed. It's perfectly fine. It's just natural. And of course, uh, I think the man who's willing the Packers somehow to stay alive, just to see Aaron Rodgers play football one more time in 2017.
2: Joe Bartle, how the hell are you, my friend? What's happening? I'm doing all right. I'll be honest. I didn't get a chance to catch a lot of the Packer games, so it was a lot of red zone channel towards the end of it. And then I, I told my buddy who had, the, who had on his computer at the time, no, we just need to watch this game legitimately the whole time. Because I looked at the score, 21-7 to at one point, and I don't know how many I, – I think my eyes literally rolled in the back of my head as I was getting so frustrated. But then they came back. Brett Hundley did some Brett Hundley things. And, uh, yeah, I'm ready for the Aaron Rodgers era to begin once again.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, they've they've hung in there. It's, you know, it's one of those spots where, you know, you just keep going and you just keep plugging away, hoping for the best. Obviously, the the big bummer of the week in uh, a sequence of bummers in 2017 is the Carson Wentz News. Waiting for more definitive word on that injury. There's rumors it's an ACL tear. People say maybe not so much. I don't know. All I know is that if you're an Eagles fan, uh, that was a hard day. It was a great win, but a hard day at the same time. So uh, let's get to the stats. Let's get to the winners and losers. And let's start with the Sunday Million lineup winner. Uh, and we will start with that with Case Keenum was the 3% owned quarterback. You know, we've talked about Case Keenum on this podcast so many times between you and John and myself. You know, I, I understand, you know, they, they didn't get the W here, but in terms of fantasy stuff, I mean, Case Keenum has been a very steady presence, and any guy that you can put it for know, $7,500 salary is going to give you three times value. I say sign me up.
2: Yeah, at this point, I think we can't really be dismissing him anymore, and I'm the one that really is more on the dismissing side than either you or John. I've been waiting for that aberration to end, and because Adam Thielen is literally a god at a receiver position right now, I think Case Keenum is going to get the benefit of the doubt most of the times. I mean, if he's going to be sitting at 7K – It's so easy to just predict he's going to get around 14 or 15 points. I don't know. I I think at this point, um, it's not that he's a must play, but certainly you can't fade him. You can't decide not to play him. This is not an aberration. Case Keenum is for real, and I think so is him as a fancy quarterback.
1: All right. Now let's continue on the other side of quarterback too. Let's stick with uh, Alex Smith, who is the guy John and I were very much on. And I want to bring this up because – there were a lot of touchdowns called back. <laughs> a lot of issues where, where you know, I know it sounds a little sour grapes, but, uh, you know, it was a little frustrating because the call was right. The Alex Smith call was right in this scenario. It just so happened that, you know, because of the touchdowns that get called back, he didn't get to the point he should have. He should have had at least two touchdowns there. He should have had at least 20 points in that game because of it. But, you know, what are you going to do? These things happen. Uh, sometimes bad luck finds you, and that was one of them uh, in terms of, You know, yardage in terms of what your expectations were at a quarterback. We also highlighted Russell Wilson and talked at length about him. Uh, Now, Russell Wilson, it's funny for the first two quarters of that game, not so much. And then the fourth quarter, another kind of stunning comeback for him. Uh, You know, what are your thoughts on Wilson in this game?
2: Wilson single handedly keeping my season long fantasy team alive. So I got to love his DFS production as well. I did want to touch on Alex Smith before he went to Wilson quickly. I I think that Smith at I, it was a, it was almost a chalky play like that wasn't the wrong play but anyway. I actually went the other way I went a completely different direction because I thought Smith was so chalky we look at the Raiders secondary and they're bad we saw what the Chiefs did the week prior and really how they're rolling I agree with you and I really feel confident using Alex Smith moving forward in DFS I think it's kind of a not that this was an aberration but like you said there were some extending circumstances that really entered into his fantasy line production but back to back to Wilson I think that Because that Seahawks uh, offensive line again is so bad, Russell Wilson kind of has to make miracles happen. I was surprised to see the receivers of the Seahawks be able to make better moves, break off there on those deep routes, and take them for for touchdowns. Because I really thought the speed of the Jaguars was going to be able to stay with them for the most part. That wasn't the case, especially in that second, I think, second touchdown Wilson threw. It was really all Tyler Lockett or Paul Richardson. I always get those two confused. They look the same just made a cut uh, on the deep post and was able to go for quite a bit distance after the yards up the catch. So it's a a tough thing. I mean, you know Wilson's so important to that offense. What he can provide as a fantasy quarterback is tough because his production or his uh, salary, I should say, is super high given everyone else knows that he has to do so much too.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. It's 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 been a stunning, you know, I mean, I know it was a tough loss for them, but still it's uh, one of those spots where, you know, you, you know, you just watch it and play and you go, wow, you know, this guy really can take over a game. Ben Roethlisberger took over a game too. his 500 yards <laughs> passing, uh, you know, again, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers by the skin of their teeth walk away with a victory. The 500 yards is, is huge. The two touchdowns and this is, you know, Roethlisberger at home versus Roethlisberger on the road. The first half of the year, there were a lot of road games. It was something I, I highlighted in a, in the Black Book this year about, you know, trying to make sure that, hey, Roethlisberger's a guy you want to trade for instead of draft because it's going to be a rough first half of the year. And clearly, you know, this second half of your things are starting to go his way a little bit. Before the injury to Carson Wentz, he was terrific. Four touchdowns in that game for him, just one pick, 291. Let well, you make a Jimmy Garoppolo. This is the second game now in a row where – You know, the first one he had uh, 297, this one 334. He did get a touchdown in this one. Uh, Jimmy G on the road two games in a row getting it done and for a cheap salary.
2: Absolutely. And the Texans secondary isn't anything to sneeze at. Their defense has been a little bit better. Well, I'm sorry, it should be a little bit worse after J.J. Watt left, and I understand where that comes into play. But I know you're a Patriots fan, so you're going to be biased when you talk about Jimmy G. I'm not a Patriots fan, and I can tell you that I love this guy. I really think that he's going to be – legitimate NFL quarterback I don't even think it's so much that he was hanging around Tom Brady for 15 years or whatever it was I really (laughs) really think that he's he's just he looks poised in the pocket and that's such an important thing when you're a younger guy haven't really got many starts especially against a a still pretty good pass rush from the Texans he did pretty well against the Bears too and I think that's a, a solid defense this year as well so to me he's one through two of his tougher challenges on the season or on the schedule I should say and I feel good about him the rest of the way. Now it's a matter of if the Forty ers want to uh, roll out the trucks for him and kind of pay him the big dollars if they want to try to trade him and, and get something in the NFL draft. I think that will be a very interesting question to watch unfold throughout the NFL offseason.
1: Dak Prescott was the other guy, too, to discuss because he had himself a, a fantastic second half also, three touchdowns on the day for Prescott and that comeback win there for the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I, John and I didn't talk about him much on Friday, but I talked about him at length on Sunday morning in the NFL pregame show on FNTSY radio, and I kept highlighting him and telling, trying to try tell people, look, I don't care you know, if McAdoo's gone, if Reese's gone, if Manning's back. I don't care. The Giants are still an awful football team. I'm not buying this whole, let's rally around, Eli. I'm not buying this whole, hey, let's wear the retro 80s uniforms, remember the Parcells era like they did on Sunday. That's all fodder and nonsense because at the end of the day, they are not a good football team. And At the end of the day, Dak Prescott's starting to, I would say, get back to in our good graces at the very least Uh, in terms
2: of as long as the salary stays low, I think Dak Prescott's starting to float back into our consciousness. What do you think? Yeah, I think they're figuring it out finally what to do without Alfred Morris. And I kind of liked seeing Rod Smith being used as a receiving weapon, not just a running weapon. We talk about Alfred Morris quite a bit, and he had an okay day. But I think that that's where that offense comes in a different dimension when they're using the running backs in a different way. Obviously, Ezekiel is a special talent. We all know that. Rod Smith isn't that bad. And I was always wondering why the Dallas offense couldn't do enough with Rod Smith in there or Al- Alfred Morris in there. It just – it made him, I'm not going to say pathetic, but it was just kind of interesting dynamic seeing Zeke leave, and then that complete, the offense completely fall apart. So I, I'm happy to see that kind of working. I don't feel great about him as a DFS asset most weeks. I really think this is more of a matchup-based thing than anything else. But, you know, I, I didn't think Deshaun Kaiser would be a DFS asset, and here he was getting nearly 20 points against the Packers too. So it's just one of those things you got to look at the matchups and, and figure out which one is the best one overall. Well, Sean McCoy <laughs> – Jordan Howard
1: led everybody in rushing, 156 for LaShawn McCoy, a touchdown. Jordan Howard against Cincinnati, a defense that was bruised and battered, 147 for two touchdowns. John loved Howard in this one, so uh, kudos to him. Great call on Friday by John. A- and look, you know the rest of this group, too, I think the one that stands out to me is the Kareem Hunt, the 25 carries. Now, the touchdown's great. The 116 is great. It's the 25 carries. That's the number that sticks out to me, John, because that's the one that we haven't seen next to his name in quite some time. And what a shock. You know, you put the ball in Kareem Hunt's hands, you put the ball in Tyree Kill's hands, and good things happen,
2: right? Yeah, how about that? You have your two best players getting the ball, along with Travis Kelsey, I guess. We've got three best players. And oh, surprise, they're actually winning games. To me, this has been one of the more frustrating uh, fantasy conundrums all year, why Kareem Hunt has suddenly stopped getting the ball, when the Chiefs got up to such a fast start and they were giving in the ball plenty. I don't, I don't get it at 7,200. Obviously Fanduel felt the same way when they priced him this week. I imagine that has to be a little bit higher. In fact, I really think that hunt I'm looking at his price right now, or at least trying to find it. Uh, Let's see. Is he on the Monday, Thursday slate? That must be one of the reasons why he's not here right now, because I just am thinking, yeah, I don't know. I I really think that hunt depending on what his price is going to be an interesting name to watch moving forward. I, I like him if he's going to be around the 75, 78 range, if he's going to be in the eight thousands that like he was early in the season, I'm probably staying away because I don't know what that chiefs offense is going to do. And given week.
1: Yeah. It looks like the chiefs are the Monday night game. I think that's why you're not seeing him on the, gotcha. on the slate. That's why. Um, and, and you know what too, I mean, let's talk about Leonard Fournette who, uh, you know, I was terrified of, I wanted to stay away from, you know, it, just because the injuries just, uh, you know, lackluster a little bit. The price was high. You know, but he turned out a good day. Jonathan Stewart had a day I don't think anybody was looking for. Three (laughs) touchdowns for Jonathan Stewart. Congratulations if you had Jonathan Stewart in the DFS lineup. More power to you. Now, Giovanni Bernard, I was on. Alfred Morris, I was on. Gio had a pretty decent day. Alfred Morris, I think a bit of a disappointment. He did get the 19 carries, but I was looking for that touchdown. I wanted the touchdown. I didn't get the touchdown. I'm, I'm a sad analyst. That's what I am. I'm very sad about this.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, again, I, I talked about Rod Smith. I liked how they used him out of the receiving backfield. And I thought Elfremorce okay. The touchdown would been great too. But going to Fournette, I wasn't scared off by him at all. If the Jaguars are going to continue to win, it will not be because Blake Bortles. He actually looked okay against the Seahawks, but it's not going to be because of him. It's going to be because of what they use with our Fournette, whether it is running the ball, whether it's using him out of the backfield, which I don't understand why they're going to be like more often. He really wasn't that bad of a receiving threat in college and they make it seem, at least the draft punts made it seem like he just couldn't do that at all. And I, I just disagree with that. If they continue to throw to him, if they continue to run with him, I think he's one of those guys that's going to develop into a matchup proof person, a matchup proof player, I should say. Fournette is that good, and the Jaguars really are that bad offensively without him. If he were to go down, that might be one of the bigger injuries overall for the AFC because the Jaguars are looking to be a contender, as crazy as that seems. And I think Fournette's a big reason because of that.
1: Oh, he is, he is equal a reason to that as the defense. Cause no matter how great the defense plays, you got to put points on the board, you know, and for net, at least it's a good combination, run the football. Don't turn the ball over, you know, play great defense. That's a very, very good one, uh, you know, to add uh, in terms of very good ones to add uh, Deandre Hopkins. That was a guy John and I uh, loved. I, I kept saying this, you got to pay all your money for Deandre Hopkins. And even with Yates, Oh my god, I can't believe it. Savage went out, and I gotta tell you, I was I was a little terrified. I, I gotta say it was it was not looking good. And then Hopkins just eleven for one forty-nine. Brilliant. Two touchdowns for him. Antonio Brown, the other big one of the day. Eleven catches for two thirteen, no touchdowns, but hey, you know, let's not, you know, let's not split hairs here. Uh, a surprise one, Tyro Williams for 132, Cooper Cup five for one eighteen and a touchdown for him. Cooper Cup, what do you make of him now going forward? You know, as the year goes on. You know, he was a guy that I think a lot of people had on their sleeper lists. Not that there's anything such thing as sleepers because we have the internet. So everybody talks about everybody all the time. It's the dumbest thing ever. You know, there were sleepers back when there wasn't coverage of fantasy sports. But, you know, with Cooper Cup right now, where do you rank him? Do you put him as a guy, as like a third wide receiver with upside if the price is right most weeks with the way he's been used in that offense?
2: Oh yeah, I would agree with that but I think if you talk to most people they think that Cooper Cup's the second coming of Randy Moss. Like I, it wasn't just a sleeper thing. I feel like there's way more people higher than they should have been and I understand he's been getting some production. I'm not really I'm not I'm not buying in on that entirely. If he's a talking number wide receiver 3, sure. Even a wide receiver wide receiver 2 depending on the price, but I'm not thinking he's going to be this guy that I need to put my builder on my line. I'm just, I don't know the Seahawks, Titans, 49ers those are his last three games, the Rams' last three games, as should say. Those aren't great matchups um, for a cup in that sense because the Seahawks actually really aren't that bad at the secondary, even with Sherman out, even with Chancellor out. The Titans 49ers, I understand that too, that that's a good matchup. But it just depends on the price. I'm not really building my lineup around Cooper Cup. And I'm not, I know you're not saying that we sh- we should be doing that, but I'm not. No, well, you don't have to, you know. In. But, I mean, I think at a certain point
1: too where, you know, you start to buy in, you're trying to lose Woods for a couple weeks. And then I was on walk-ins for a couple of weeks, and I got him two weeks in a row with a touchdown, so we nailed that one. But, you know, Cooper Cup has been kind of the under-the-radar volume guy, and, you know, I think the knock early on was, well, is he ever going to catch any touchdowns? And now that trend's starting to go in a better direction for him. And I, and I think that's, you know, it's just something I think that we should keep an eye on here in these last few weeks of the season if Cup, you know, is the healthiest of this group and maybe the most volume efficient. That's something to, to keep in mind, especially on full PPRs. Adam Thielen also – uh, getting back in good graces. Uh, thank goodness. You know, there was a little bit of a little bit of concern there, but, you know, Thielen back on the job over a hundred yards and a touchdown on the day. Uh, now, look, I was all in on Tyreek Hill. I could not be more all in on Tyreek Hill. I think that was just a massive, you know, miscalculation there. They should have used him more in that game uh, because he is so fast. And that Oakland, and you saw that one play where he got by everybody. And, and of course, you know, he, he nearly scored a touchdown there. It's just, you know, another frustrating thing where things just didn't line up perfectly in this Chiefs game. They were all just kind of scratched the surface of what they should have been. But alas, what are you going to do? Any of the wide receivers stick out to you in terms of good, bad, or ugly?
2: Yeah, so I was all in on Josh Gordon against the Packers. Nah. I've watched the Packers enough this season to know that they were going to get absolutely torched by Josh Gordon, and he caught that touchdown on the very first drive. I think he had probably two catches overall, and I thought, okay, here we go. At least for DFS, I'm going to capitalize on Of my team's misery. Gordon's going to be great. I also thought Corey Coleman to some extent was going to be good too. And then we didn't really see it the rest of the day. He only had three catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. I really like Gordon moving forward if he's going to be under 7K priced. And I think a lot of people are talking about him enough where that's going to get bumped up, where he might not be seeing enough targets to warrant that. Deshaun Kaiser is okay, but where he's making his bones as a fantasy QB is not throwing the ball, it's more running at this point in his career. And I think that hinders Josh Gordon's value if he's a 75 and over kind of priced talent. If he's around the 67k where he was this time around, Corey Coleman 57k, also a ridiculous number to me. I feel better about using them, but I thought for sure this was going to be a matchup where Gordon gets 25 Fanduel uh, fan points. I really maybe it's because the Packers defense is that bad, and I made them seem too bad in my mind. But it shouldn't look certainly look like he was going to do better than what he really ended up with his day.
1: Yeah, and Gordon's going to be 7,500 next week against Baltimore. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. He's right on that border where you got to make tough decisions, that's for sure. Demarius Thomas was another one I did not see coming. Uh, that was a shocker. And the tight ends, too, when the Ertz News came out uh, on Sunday morning, Trey Burton was a pivot. He was 2% owned in the million and uh, and you know 21.6 to say that he returned value would be the understatement of the century at mid-salary. So five catches, two touchdowns, 71 yards for him. Uh, a brilliant day for sure and that Broncos defense getting the shutout too going back to that group uh, and the Jets of course losing McCown with a broken hand after a good really tough you know competitive season for them unfortunately it looks like uh it's ended <laughs> a little yeah. bit you know and and, it, and it's it's funny i never think we'd be sitting here at week 14 saying well what a shame McCown got hurt and we were all waiting for McCown to get hurt in week 2 or 3 or 4 because that's what happens and You know, he played well this year. The Jets played, you know, a very feisty brand of football. But, you know, now that they've downgraded to Bryce Petty, I think that ship has certainly sailed. All right, let's talk about Monday, Thursday. The game's on the slate. You got the New England Patriots tonight in Miami, and then you've got the Denver Broncos at Indianapolis. So I know it's funny because, you know, we were just absolutely crushing Trevor Simeon two weeks ago. And then yesterday against the Jets, he's not great but respectable. But you get that Colts – Defense strolling into town, and I'm curious when you get the Colts. Where you're not strolling in; they're they're going into Indianapolis, I should say. But you know, you have two options here. I feel like you either go up to the top with Tom Brady, who's 9700, or you go all the way to the bottom with Trevor Simeon. I think I still go all the way at top with Brady, no matter what the contest, because I'm concerned that Brady is the separator this week, especially with big time players like Gronk not in there, no big running backs to speak of, and the biggest wide receiver is Cooks and that is your Brady
2: pairing. Yeah, I think that Brady is definitely the way to go. Simeon could be a tournament play to me, and I wouldn't feel great about it. I'm not going to go that route if I could, but I could see it. You can at least rationalize that one with me, especially at 6,600. I don't want Jay Cutler. I definitely don't want Jacoby Brissett going against that Broncos secondary. So, yeah, 9,700 Brady. It's more that there really just isn't that many people to pay up for. We look at the running back spot, and Rex Burkhead is your highest-priced guy at 7,100. So you can fit Brady in there pretty easily. You don't have to really stretch to get that. And I think I agree with you. What's more likely to happen when we're looking at fantasy stuff? What's more likely to happen, Brady stinking or Simeon doing well? And I think that, you know, I really think that Simeon doing well probably is less going to happen as opposed to Brady stinking. So 9,700, I'll take that. I understand it's a tough thing. I know he's got to get about 18 points, but that isn't that hard for a guy like Tom Brady. It's not like the Miami defense has been that good this season either.
1: No, uh, I I agree, but you know I think you know it's it's just tough, you know. Brissett, Cutler, Simeon, it's just it's going to be really hard because if you know if Brady has even in, you know in cash games if Brady has a twenty five point day you're chasing all the Brady lineups if you don't have them and I don't see where you're making it up. That's the problem, like you said. There's no big stars uh, in the running back vein though. Rex Burkhead seventy one hundred. Then you got Kenyon Drake at sixty nine. Deion Lewis questionable with the illness. Now I think. You know, it seems the news that we're getting is that he's going to play. It seems like early on, we'll, we'll let you know. Obviously, you can update, check on Rotawire as time goes on. His list is questionable as of right now. But I think Burkhead is certainly in play. Kenyon Drake is the one that I definitely want in the lineup because I think what you're seeing with Kenyon Drake is you see the explosiveness. Uh, last week, he had 23 carries. He did have a touchdown. He also had five targets in a passing game. So for me, Kenyon Drake is another must own, must start for me in this Monday, Thursday slate.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He was the first guy that I mentioned or I, I thought running back wise. And honestly, he might be the only guy. I, I wish I could just play only one running back uh, and then just find a different spot. <laughs> this is kind of a poo-poo platter of running backs elsewhere. If Deion Lewis is out with the illness, it doesn't sound like he is. But if that were the case, Burkhead becomes obviously a lot more valuable in that sense. But C.J. Anderson's getting about 20 carries around there in yeah. the last few games, and he's only getting 40 or 50 yards. He pro- if he gets twenty carries against the Colts, yeah, he probably is going to do better than that. But why can't he do better than that before when he's getting so many looks? So that's where at sixty three hundred, you kind of like, oh, I, I could go that way. I, I would rather defer to the soothsayer of the Patriots running back committee and you tell me which one I should be using of those guys as opposed to going down to the Frank Gore's or the you know the C.J. Andersons. Cause it just is a again, poo-poo platter of running back options for the Monday Thursday slate.
1: Well, it truly is, and when the when the they, there's no. Gronkowski that means usually you'll see a little bit more work at Amendola potentially you'll you know Hogan that was the other injury too that you know we'll question whether or not he's going to play I think right now the way Burkhead is getting the touchdown looks and the goal line looks that's what you want um, the Dion Lewis illness doesn't scare me um, you know as long as he's on the field I think that's good enough to play it's funny C.J. Anderson is kind of where I went too because it's between C.J. Anderson and Gore for me as my secondary running backs because I want to have some other Patriots in some other spots. I want Cooks. I want Amendola, so I can't, you know, I'm going to max out at a certain point on Patriots on the slate. So for me, I kind of went with that same logic With Indianapolis is bad enough that C.J. Anderson doesn't have to be great to get return. And I almost think that Gore is the safer option, but because it's against Denver and because Denver's coming off a shutout, I have hesitation there. So I'm going to go C.J. Anderson. Yeah. So CJ was actually the guy for me. And the wide receivers, I got Cooks, I got Landry. Uh, I know Hogan's dealing with that shoulder. You know, you can make a case now. Uh, let's put it out there because I think you have to make a choice here. Will you go for T.Y. Hilton here against Denver? Because I feel like that is, if you believe that they're playing from behind and they got to take shots, then T.Y. is viable. And T.Y. is much more viable at home, too. Is this a dart throw you want to make, or would you rather go with the floor of Jarvis Landry?
2: See, that was another – Tournament play that I felt a little bit more comfortable with doing. It isn't even so much that I think the Colts will be behind, which I do think that will be the case, but it might be one of those ugly good kind of Thursday night games. Mm -hmm. I really think that you look at Chris Harris, the keep Talib, they're great corners, but you don't really think speed when you're talking about those guys. And T.Y. Hilton is all speed. If this were being played in Denver with it being cold, tough to throw the ball. Okay, this is a different story. This is at Indianapolis. We have the dome. T.Y. Hilton's comfortable there. Jacoby Brissett's. Comfortable enough there, you know, as the starting quarterback for the, or at least the last couple of games of the season here. I think that T.Y. Hilton is not the worst play in the world. I, I would, I defer to safer stuff. When I'm, when I'm talking about some of my fans, I want safer plays, especially Monday Thursday. That's not a bad tournament throw if you just want to differentiate your lineup a little. Bit, because I don't think a lot of people will be on T.Y. Hilton. That's the other thing too that I just don't. How many people are thinking, oh yeah, T.Y. Hilton against that secondary? I gotta have that in my lineup.
1: <laughs> No, I don't think they are, and I think that's why it's a decent tournament play only. I wouldn't put it in a cash game lineup. I think Chris Hogan's going to be a very popular selection in both first game back. I worry about the snap count with him a little bit. You know, I just, I just, uh, you know, missing a couple weeks there. I know Hogan was so good when he was on the field. I just worry about him ramping up and being to the speed people want him at fantasy level this particular week. I think Landry is the safer one. Cooks is, I think, a must-own this week pairing with Brady. Uh, They've been really good lately. Now, Demarius Thomas coming off a good game as well. Um, I think he's absolutely in play. I think Demarius Thomas is 100% in play in this one against Indianapolis, despite the fact that it's, you know, they're on the road, despite the fact it's Trevor Simeon. I think you got to. Put him out there, put him in there. What are your thoughts on him or Sanders? They're both within $300 of each other. Would you take the savings or would you take Demarius? Oh, I'm
2: taking Demarius there. If Sanders was even, you know, 6200 6300 that's a conversation where I wouldn't mind actually having both of them in my lineup. because I think Sanders will do okay. But we're talking higher potential. I think Demarius Thomas is certainly that. Again, he's one of the better receivers, I think, truthfully, in the entire NFL, but he's been saddled with some tough quarterbacks play in the last couple years, especially towards that lingering end of Peyton Manning's career. It just was tough to watch at times. I think Demaryius Thomas is pretty darn good in the the half point PPR league too. That's an interesting part that Demaryius is probably going to get a lot of looks, even if he doesn't score a touchdown, he should be able to get enough yardage and receptions to be able to double up on his investment right now.
1: Yeah, Danny Amendola is the other guy that I think at fifty-eight. There's your there's your savings with Brady. You know, if you want to go out there and just forget the Patriots running backs, go with CJ and Drake, put Brady, Amendola, and Cooks together, and hope for the best. I can I can see that one. I, I wouldn't go getting cute with you know anybody like Dorsett. I wouldn't go getting cute with you know a, anybody below that. I think uh, then you got the two guys, you know Stills and Parker, who are you know throws as well. You know, um, you know Cutler's had some moments this year. Where you like? Where that Cutler game come from? I, I'm. I don't think that that can happen this week. <laughs> really
2: that was like, the, that was the question I was going to ask because it's more so that season long fantasy. I'm really relying on Devontae Parker to do something tonight. Um, but what what are the odds? Do you think that he'll do well? I think Kenny Stills ends up being the more uh, more target receiver but i wonder if parker might not get that touchdown that's kind of what we're looking for in terms of dfs
1: i think that's probably a very likely scenario i mean i think that's more than i think that if you have to put a percentage on it i think that would be the 60 percent chance of what you just said still is having the better ppr kind of game but if parker got the touchdown which would frustrate everybody you know it frustrates the stills owner (laughs) frustrates the the jarvis landry owner and that's why i try to look for the volume guy and that's why i'd rather you know the hell with both of them. Give me Jarvis Landry, give me the 10 targets and, you know, hope for the best. Cause I, I think that's, you know, if you're going to attack the Patriots right now with the injuries they've had at linebacker and Van Noy is out as well in this one. So if you're going to attack them. You're attacking them over the middle. And I think Landry in the slot gives them all kinds of matchup problems. So that's kind of where I would go tight end. ugh, gross disaster. You could try Julius Thomas and pray for a touchdown. And that's all he's going to give you Jack Doyle, probably the safest one. I'm sure his ownership will be extremely high. Forget Dwayne Allen. I'm sorry. Like if he gets a touchdown, it's just a complete one off oddity, you know, because they're in a goal line on a lot of play action, but you can't rely on that either. So for me, it's just give me
2: Jack Doyle and just turn the page. What say you? I actually don't think Jack Doyle's that bad of a play. The the Broncos actually allowed the fourth most FanDuel points yep. Or yeah, uh, to that tight end spot. So I don't think it's that bad. And at sixty one hundred, it's not like you're getting him really high priced either. Again, it's just a we talk about poo-poo platter of running backs. This is certainly the same situation for the tight end. He stands out to me, though, as a guy that I feel is going to get a lot of looks. We talked about T.Y. Hilton going to get a lot of the deep throws. Okay, do we think the Colts are trailing? Yeah, that's likely to happen. So then Doyle's going to have to be thrown to quite a bit. So I don't mind him at 60, 100. Yeah, he's probably going to be owned, but I'm not really going to be touching anybody else in that tight end spot. To me, he makes the one and only sense for our tight end in the Fandle lineup.
1: Yeah, I'm also going to go with the Patriots defense in this one as well. I think you can make a case for the Denver defense as well. But uh, with the way the turnovers are going right now, the Patriots plus minus has has been much better of late. Uh, And, you know, right now I think that's the the smart way to go. All right, let's uh, take a look real fast. uh, Before we get to the hot takes, let's go to the read here. Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing on FanDuel to take advantage of our special offer for new users. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash Rotowire and you'll get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus free entry into the NFL Sunday Million, which offers more than $1 million in cash prizes. With your first deposit on FanDuel, just visit FanDuel.com slash Rotowire. Void where prohibited. All right, hot take. Le'Veon Bell, 9400 next
2: week against the Patriots. Too expensive? Too expensive. I don't want to go that route. I understand what he's been doing. I understand the Patriots, that's going to be, if not one of the best matchups in all of the entire season, the best matchup. They're going to need to use Le'Veon Bell. They've had to rely on Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger. The three Bs are important, but I'm not going 94. I think that that's too high of a price for me at FanDuel. I think there's a lot of other guys that have interesting matchups, so I'm staying away from that 9,400 price tag.
1: 8500 on Rob Gronkowski rested healthy
2: against the Pittsburgh Steelers. What do you think, 85? You're buying? Is it a Gronk week? I'm staying away from Gronk, too. I think that's a little bit too high for me. You look at Jimmy Graham, who's at 6,700. All he needs is a touchdown, really. He's going to be good value-wise, and I think he's going to get that. I think the Seahawks are going to move the ball against the Rams. That's going to be a big divisional uh, matchup for playoff purposes, too. So I think Jimmy Graham at 6,700, I'll take that way more than 8,500 for Gronk.
1: Oh, I'm gonna Gronk and I'm gonna Gronk hard next week. Oh yeah, with Shay's ear out. Yeah, oh I'm, oh I'm Gronking. All right, last but not least here, let's hit a quarterback hot take. Uh, Drew Brees, finally coming off a Drew Brees kind of uh, a feel. You know, we're starting to see a little bit more of the high totals and Kamara's injury. Maybe a little bit more Drew Brees action. Eighty-four hundred. Are, are you buying in here against the Jets? I like that
2: quite a bit. I think that the Jets' defense has been pretty good, but they've been susceptible to some passing. It depends on if Kamara's playing or not. I think if Kamara's out, you have a different dimension on that offense as a whole. You're going to have to be running the ball a little bit more, and I think Drew Brees, as a result, might be better at the play action. Not that he's not good already at it, but they just do different things when Kamara's in there. Drew Brees is going to have to carry the load a little bit more if he's out. And Again, we don't know that right now, just looking at things on Monday. I think the Jets' defense is susceptible to that. I will say, though, if you're talking Breeze at 8,400 or Cam Newton going against my Packers' defense at 7,900, I'm taking Newton 12 times out of 10. That's <laughs> going to be a ridiculous matchup. And he's the value play at quarterback, I think, overall. All right. You
1: can follow him at JB Fantasy Sports. You can follow me at Joe 17 For everybody here at RotoWire, have a great week of daily fantasy.